Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up? It's a gold fam. Hope you all had an amazing weekend. So excited to be released this episode today. I am just getting back from an incredible week at Experience Camps. For those of you that don't know, Experience Camps is a free one-week camp for kids aged 9 to 16 that have lost a loved one. I volunteer every single summer. This was my seventh summer, ninth camp that I've been involved with. And today, my guest is Aaron Weingard, longtime friend and brother. I met him my first summer back at Experience Camps, and Aaron has been instrumental in the creation and building of Experience Camps. Aaron's been involved since the inception in 2009. He has now volunteered for 13 years, developed the Camper Leadership Program with Wiley Sorelli, which I had the honor and privilege of running point on this summer for the main camp. He helped found the Georgia program in 2017, which I had the privilege of joining him in opening up. And today he is the fundraising chair of the board of directors responsible for raising nearly $3.5 million annually. There is so much I could say about this man. Each summer he is there involved, volunteering, and I know there is so much energy and effort he puts in throughout the year leading up to camp to make camp what it is today and what it is growing to become. He's an inspiration. He's my dear friend. With that, enjoy this episode. Aaron Weigard, thanks so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today. Pumped to have you on. Thank you, Danny Goldberg, for having me. I will tell you that it's a bit of a dream come true to be on here because I have such admiration for your podcast and and really for you and everything that you're doing. I think that anyone who's listening to this needs to make a little note, grab a pen and put a little reminder on there to let other people know about this podcast, just because Danny, I think you do such a great, great job of leaving your listeners with a big smile and inspiration and just great hope as they look forward to their day and their lives. So thank you, Danny, for having me. And thank you for everything that you're doing with your commitment to this incredible podcast. Appreciate the kind words. I am so excited to have you on. We just got back from an incredible week at Experience Camps. And you and I go back a long way within this organization. You're one of the founding counselors, staff at this organization. And you and I have so many memories together over my last seven summers being involved in Experience Camps. And just so excited to have you on to share your story, how you got involved, and really where the organization is going, but even more so just the powerful moments that have been created over the last several years. Yeah, I'm excited about sharing about those moments and the impact because I think that just like anything that I believe in, if it's something that I think could be helpful for people, I'm going to want to talk about it a lot and help people understand how truly life-changing of an organization experience camps is. So thank you again for having me on. Yeah, and that it is. But before I hand the mic off to you to share a little bit more about your story and how you even stumbled into experience camps, 
I just want to express my own gratitude to you and for you. You know, you've been involved since the inception of the organization. And as I was reflecting on this last week, it's been incredible to see the organization grow in just my last seven years being involved. But it's just absolutely incredible to know that thousands of kids have been impacted and you are one of the direct impacts or, you know, that is a result of the work that you put in over the last several years. So with that, just want to express my gratitude. want to hand the mic off to you to share a little bit about how you got involved in the organization, how the organization started. So take us back wherever the beginning is for you. The beginning is sometime in 2009. My involvement stems from the fortune that I had growing up from the ages of 10 to 17. I went to an amazing sleepaway camp in Maine. My counselor when I was 13, his name is John Darren, and his wife, Sarah Darren, is the CEO and founder of Experience Camps. And they reached out to a few of us in 2009 to ask us if we'd want to help them start this amazing organization and volunteer. And I just thought I'd be going back to a place that I love and seeing a lot of old friends. I hadn't really thought about what it would entail helping grieving boys until I actually got there. Um, The organization started with 27 little boys, 10 to 12 years old, in 2009 at our camp in Maine. And now we help nearly 1,000 kids across our 10 programs across the country, which are located in Maine, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and California. And what I'll, I'll share is that the heartbeat of experience camps is the one week, no cost programs for boys and girls, nine to 16 that have lost a parent or sibling. With that said, and I'm really proud to share that in January, our board and our organization made the decision to look to impact the 5.3 million grieving kids out there. We've seen what it can do for these kids. And we also know that if, if a boy or girl loses a parent or sibling or primary caregiver, There are so many challenges that can persist in their lives if their grief is unaddressed. Suicide, drug use, anxiety, depression, all these really, really challenging aspects of life are, generally speaking, even greater for a boy or girl that's lost a parent or sibling. And there are 5.3 million kids in the country that have lost a parent or sibling. And we as an organization decided that we want to reach those kids. And we're doing so in in two ways. One is trying to create a grief smart culture and really trying to lead the national conversation around childhood grief. As you know, nobody learns in school or anywhere how to support others that are grieving. And death is like the only thing which is guaranteed in life. And how beautiful could it be or will it be to help our country do a better job of supporting people that are grieving. And then the second part is to really expand our community with these 5.3 million kids that are out there. We've just hired a chief program officer. Her name's Courtney. She's fantastic. She, along with a really impressive team of board members and full-time staff, are looking at the different ways that we can reach these 5.3 million kids. There's more to come on that, but I was actually catching up with our wonderful founder and CEO, Sarah Darren. The other day, I shared with her that you invited me to be on the podcast, and I asked her if it would be okay for me to share about our expansion of our focus, and it brings me great pride to share that we are really determined and hyper-focused on trying to impact those 5.3 million kids. 
that's awesome. And I'm personally excited to see how that will take shape over the next several years. When I think about grief in general, very specifically, I guess, for children versus like an adult, I feel specifically for adults, maybe as an adult, you might have more just life experience and might have an easier time asking for help or finding ways to find community to navigate the complexities around grief. But I think specifically for childhood grief and for children, I mean, you see it all the time at experience camps that I'm not sure exactly the right word, but the holiness, the sacredness around the community we have and the space that's made at camp to allow, to enable children to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to openly share their emotions. And I don't really think that that exists for children specifically. It's news to me that the organization is growing in this way, growing their scope outside of just the one week camp. But it's inspiring to hear that just because I think that there's really so much potential to have such a tremendous impact for those kids. Yeah, I mean, we sat there and we said, this is an opportunity. There's nobody that is the leader in childhood grief. If anyone, it's us. It's almost like some part of the lessons of camp. It's like you have one life to live. Let's just go for it and make it happen for these kids. But I couldn't agree with you more. I think that in my 13 years volunteering, it is always so evident that childhood grief can be so isolating for kids in their everyday home lives. But they come to camp and for many of them for the first time, by the way, after being reluctant to get on the bus to go to camp, they realize that they're not alone. They get to rediscover joy. We should talk about that. And they gain a lot of confidence in themselves and their futures. And we've got about an 85% retention rate meaning kids come back year after year after year. And as you know, grief doesn't end. Like you don't get over it. It's a part of your life and it evolves. And we saw it firsthand this past week at the camp in Maine that when you're talking about a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old who's grieving, there are new challenges that come up as one ages as it relates to grief. Let's take it back to the beginning of the organization, your first summer, So you're asked to come back. You're excited to go back to the summer camp that you grew up with. I had no idea that Darren was your counselor, by the way. So that's a hilarious side note. (laughs) More hilarious than you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you guys have your own inside jokes from uh, growing up. Let's take it back to your first summer. Were you nervous? What was your own experience at that point with grief in general? Like, Did you know anyone who had lost someone or was total new field or... How did you feel about going to camp that first summer? My best friend, Brian Weprin, lost his dad when we were 14. And I remember, I mean, it was so sad. It was so heartbreaking. His dad had cancer and just watching Brian go through the grief process was really, it just invigorated me to want to be there for him as much as possible. So that was really my only experience with grief. I have not lost a parent or sibling what was my thinking when I went there? I thought about Brian a lot, but more than anything, I was just excited to go to a place that I loved and see a lot of old friends. That really summarizes my thoughts going into that first week. So the 27 kids get off the bus. Walk me through what it was like when they got there. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about that first summer camp, that first week, because when I got involved in the organization, I don't know if we were only one camp then, I don't know if we had opened up California yet, two camps, but the organization was already obviously not what it is today, but much more than just its infancy. So I'd love to learn a little bit about what camp was like that that first summer, that first week. I will tell you about the first moment. 
I talked about a moment ago that I hadn't really processed the fact that we'd be helping all these grieving kids other than thinking about my good friend, Brian. We had 30 counselors and 27 10 to 12 year old boys that first year. Great ratio. <laughs> Every single kid had a mentor or like a informal buddy. They didn't know it, but there were people looking out for them. It was really, really special. We had a great group. I remember when the kids got off that bus, it might've just been a school bus. They got off this little school bus, 27 little tiny kids getting off that bus. And we sent them right into College League, which is like, if anyone's been to camp, it's basically like Color War, but colleges. And we had a human tunnel. And I remember I had my hands grasped doing the tunnel with Adam Smiley, who's an amazing guy. And these kids were kind of waddling up the hill, going through the tunnel into the rec hall for something that they had no idea was about to go down, which is college league. And it just hit me. Like, there are 27 kids walking into our arms, into our camp, into our lives that have had their world shattered. And just something in that moment just took over, I think, my body and my mind and my soul to just bring such energy to make that moment so amazing for the kids like when they have their names read onto their college league team cheer my freaking face off just to make it so special for those kids so that was the first moment the other thing i'll share about that week is that it was like a startup from the standpoint of we were learning we had really really capable thoughtful smart people running the camp in that week but one of the things that sticks out in my mind is that we only had one sharing circle on the schedule. So for those that don't know, a sharing circle is basically like a group therapy session and on the first full day. And I remember the kids came up to us afterwards, 10 and 12 year olds, and they said, we want to do this again. And that's the reason why we have two sharing circles each week on the first full day and the, and the last full day of camp. That's amazing. Personally, I have a moment every summer, if not multiple moments where you're totally inspired, empowered by the kids that come to camp. What would you say that first summer? I'm sure there were a lot, but was there one specific moment that you'll forever hold close to your heart where you knew, like, we have to do this again next summer? Like, I'm curious if there was something that happened that summer where you were like, wow, this is amazing what we're doing. Was it the whole week or was there a specific moment? Because there are a lot of people that do things to make the world a better place, they try to do something and maybe it's the start of a nonprofit, but sometimes they just have an activity. You start a walk for someone in someone's memory and you do it one time, two times. Was there a specific moment that first week we were like, we have something amazing here that we want to build on? I think hearing many of the kids share that it was their first time talking about their mom, their dad, their brother or their sister who passed away. And it just occurred to me that this is so different from what it's like at home for them. Even if they have support at home, it's a potentially forced awkward therapy session for them at home. And, and, and it's probably helpful, no disrespect to what goes on at home. But at camp, it's just different. They're living with other kids. And I mean, they get off that bus and they realize that they're not alone. They make great friends. They rediscover joy and they start to gain a lot of confidence in themselves and their futures. And the best thing about it is that we have an 85% retention rate year after year after year. I will share one thing that I remember from that summer, and it really speaks to how life-changing experience camps is. There was a camper, I'm not going to say his name. He was not really into sports. He didn't look athletic, and his dad died of suicide. And I remember it wasn't like he was a difficult kid. 
He just didn't really want to do anything. And his eyes were looking at the ground probably 80% of the time. He was broken. Then he came back the next summer in 2010. And then I remember, I think it was 2011 or 2012, one of our counselors who also lost his dad to suicide came up to him at the waterfront and was like, hey, I'm not sure if you know this, but my dad died the same way as your dad died. And if you ever want to talk, I'm here for you. Fast forward to 2016. He's 16 years old now. And this kid who couldn't lift his head up from looking at the ground, and now he's six foot tall, big beard, and he's got all these little kids clinging on to him. He's giving piggyback rides to every single kid. He's losing his voice. And he was a CIT that year. And I looked at him and I said, that's awesome that you're a CIT. And he was wearing his CIT sweatshirt. And he looked at me and he said, Aaron, and he held it so tight. His hands were shaking. And he said, this sweatshirt means everything to me. Because when I came here, I was broken. And if it wasn't for this camp and all of you guys, I don't know where I would be. So when I think about the first year, I think about that camper and his transformation over six or seven years. That's an awesome story. And what's amazing is this, is that that's happening across the U.S. hundreds, if not thousands of times for so many campers throughout the week, every single summer, stories just like that. And I think that that's the magic that's captured every single summer at camp in each of the camps. Totally. I think also there's a lot of power just behind camp specifically being like the mechanism behind the week. Yeah. And I'm sure you can relate to this as someone who grew up going to camp just as I did. There's a lot around camp that being in that camp bubble kind of creates this safe space where you're able to, I'm not even talking about the grief here for a second, but just that camp setting where you're able to really be a kid, have a great time and form really close connections in that camp setting, in that camp environment. And I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about the organization, just camping the driver behind it. It's like so much of it is just you go to this place and sort of whatever is outside of that that camp on the other side of that fence, you can sort of forget about it and just focus and be really present with what's going on while you're there. It's literally magical, as you know. And on the other side of that fence for a grieving child is very different oftentimes or generally speaking from what's on the other side of the fence for a non-grieving child. If a 14-year-old boy loses his dad, his ability to be a kid is just stripped from him. He has to grow up really, really fast, and you carry a lot of burden. But when that kid goes to camp, he gets to be a kid again, and every single kid deserves to just be a kid and have a beautiful childhood and to have that amazing joy. And camp brings out so much of that through all the ridiculous things that we do, all the dancing, the pudding slides, the chants that are just so silly and so necessary to give these kids the most memorable, hilarious week ever. Absolutely. And I think in addition to that, one thing that a volunteer had mentioned a couple of years ago was obviously experience camps is a grief camp. It's for kids, you know, who have lived through significant loss. My first few summers, I always thought that the emphasis or the most important thing was the circle time, was the therapy sessions, was the ability to get the kids to share, to open up. And one volunteer brought this up once and it really stuck with me. And she had mentioned that for so many of these kids who have lost an older brother, a dad, they don't have someone to go outside to 
show them how to play basketball, to just have a catch that I remember so many times growing up, my dad and I going out on the street and having like a baseball catch, a football catch, shooting hoops, and they don't have that ability. And this volunteer had mentioned that that week, that's what stuck with her. The magic moments of just like the impact of having a catch with a kid and the lasting impact that that could have on that kid's life. And ever since she had brought that up, I guess it opened up my eyes that, wow, this is, it's not just the sharing circle. It's also so much of what takes place at camp, which is just so, so amazing for the kids. Totally. I mean, for a lot of these kids, some of them, it's so therapeutic for them to feel connected with and cared for, to experience new things, to get in nature, to get away from their phones. There are just so many beautiful aspects of experience camps. So you've been involved since the inception of the organization. I'm curious specifically for you. I think everyone who's in the organization knows Aaron Weingard, knows you by name at least. But for you specifically, you know, having been a volunteer that hasn't lost a parent, what's that like? And you hear all the time when trying to recruit new volunteers, I haven't lost anyone. Am I still going to be a good volunteer? I think that scares some people away. So maybe you can speak to that. But I guess also just even before we jump into that, what would you say, like, what was the thing that made you come back summer number two? Because I've personally been involved in organizations where I volunteered like in high school or after and when, when I was in college, but I'm no longer involved. And this organization obviously means the world to you. So I'm curious for you specifically, what is it that not only kept you coming back year two, but you know, you've like double down, triple down camp is a huge part of your life. So What's the driving force behind that for you personally? It's kids like that kid that I told you about who came to camp completely broken, had no idea really where he was, and he found himself and he gained confidence in himself and his future. I would say the other thing which is so amazing about experience camps is the people. I mean, think about it. The self-selection that goes into who decides to be a counselor, who decides to take on a week off of their lives to do this is amazing. So I admire the people at Experience Camp so much. I learn something every single summer. And I also love being a part of it because it also gives me an opportunity to make those people that I admire proud. And I hope to continue to do that. But more than anything, it's just the opportunity to change the trajectory of the kids' lives. I feel so freaking lucky, Danny, to be a part of Experience Camps. I and mean, it's a natural fit for me in terms of camp counselor status. It's the perfect size organization. There's so much fundraising that's a part of it that I love helping with. I just feel really, really fortunate. But it's it's the people and the impact which makes me come back each year. Mm, that's awesome. And then if you want to talk about what it's like to go to camp as someone who hasn't lost a parent or sibling, I will tell you that my relationship with that concept has evolved over time. After the kids left at Manitou and Maine, we had a counselor sharing circle and people were talking about their own grief, different challenges they have in their lives. And when it came to me, I, I, first off, I I give a quick shout out to all of our new counselors who just went in head first. We had so many amazing new counselors. We had Nicole Merritt, Alana Lerman, all these great people in 2017 that have jumped in head first and become huge leaders in the organization. Stack staff. staff, Really, really great staff. I mean, Alana now runs our Michigan program. Nicole, which is the college lead dean, she's huge on diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership within the organization. And it's like so freaking awesome to watch them continue to evolve and make a huge impact in the organization. 
But the second thing I said after my shout out to the new people was I just want to thank you all for helping me feel welcome in the sharing circles as someone who hasn't lost a parent or sibling. And then as we went around the sharing circle, it went to Wiley Cirilli, who was just on your podcast. And he said, for those of you who have not lost a parent or sibling, you are just as important for these kids, if not more, because they can't go through their entire lives and only be able to talk about their grief or their challenges with people that have gone through something similar. And at that point, Danny, I just broke down crying, thinking about all of the times when I was unsure if I was out of place in those sharing circles to know how helpful it was being. And, and there were many counselors that came up to me after that. That was a huge moment in my experience camp's journey for me. And then the other thing I would say is as a counselor that hasn't lost a parent or sibling in the sharing circle, you're just there to be with the kids and just say what's on your mind. And oftentimes it's just how proud you are of them for getting off the bus, for being there with each other, for supporting each other. And I remember this was so beautiful because the magic all comes together at during orientation this year. And you weren't there at this point, so you don't even know this. But Nate Furness, who was one of our original 27 campers in 2009, spoke at the campfire just to our counselors. And he said, for those of you who are, so this kid came to camp in 2009 at 11 years old. Now he's 20 something years old. And he said, you know, he comes back for the kids because everyone was so helpful to them. And he said, for those of you that are nervous, all you have to do is just sit with the kids. And he was almost crying. He was like, just sit with them and the magic will take care of itself. That's all you need to do is sit with them. And I know that because you all sat with me and it changed my life. Mm. I love that. Me too. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. When I asked you how you got involved and also if you had anyone or what, what your personal experience was with loss growing up and you had mentioned your friend, it brought me back to one of my closest childhood friends who lost his dad growing up. And at that point in my life, I lost an aunt, a grandparent, but at that point my parents were still alive and we were 12, 13 years old. Maybe he was 11 because he's a few years younger than me. And I really didn't know how to support him or help him. But years later, after I had lost my dad, we were just talking. and I actually brought him to camp for one summer. And he was saying, you know, and I told him we road trip down to Georgia camp together from New York. And we had an incredible just time catching up as, as childhood friends. And I had pulled him on our road trip down. I'm sorry, because I feel like today I know so much more about grief than when we were kids. But I don't really think I did such a good job being there for you and supporting you during those, you know, the toughest times in your life. And he's just like, you have no idea how helpful it was you just coming over every weekend and being there with me and hanging out with me. And now, especially as I think about my own grief, my own losses, as well as when I go to, uh, or when I have tried to be there for someone else who has lived through a significant loss, there really is nothing more powerful than just being there. I think sometimes, and even it's funny having lost both my mom and dad, sometimes I get nervous if I go to a friend who lost someone because I'm like, how do I comfort them? And then, you know, I take a deep breath and I realize, you know, there sometimes, and it's unfortunate, there is nothing you can actually say to comfort someone other than just, you know, holding them or telling them I'm here for you. 
And sometimes being there is the best thing you can do to really, you know, just really being there and holding that space for that person. And I know like when my mom died, there is nothing that anyone told me that was really helpful. It was more just the fact that people were there. I want to get back into camp for a second. So every summer, there are these amazing moments where you see the magic take place before your eyes. And it could be in a sharing circle. It could be in an activity. And you and I have had the privilege of sharing some of those moments together, whether it be in Georgia or Maine this past summer. I'm curious if you want to just speak about a little bit, you know, some of the things when I think about camp is the idea around maximizing every moment, the idea around helping kids like rediscover joy. I'm curious if you want to speak to some of those themes and even share some moments that come to mind. I have one moment that I'm just like so vividly thinking of right now. So I'll share one. You know, when we were in Georgia, it was the first summer of opening up that camp. And there was a camper there who didn't know how to swim. And this one has nothing to do with grief. And took the swim test the first day, was terrified of the water, didn't pass, didn't even cry, just was like, I'm going to try again the next day. And literally all week, we kept trying and trying and Wait, trying can I and trying. And- for a second, the best part about this story, or the second best part of this story, after the actual story, is that you taught this kid how to swim without actually knowing how to swim yourself. I love that. Yeah, so I'm a, <laughs> I'm a terrible swimmer. I would not consider myself a swimmer by any means. So by the end of the week, I want to say the last day, he jumped in the water, took a swim test, passed, and then spent like the entire afternoon in the water. And that to me was like a forever special moment. And it's funny because he wore these like super tight goggles on his eyes because he hated the water getting in his eyes. And there would always be the goggle lines around his (laughs) eyes. And now whenever I see goggles, I think of this camper. But He was so proud. I, I remember him running, Mr. Danny, Mr. Danny, I did it. I passed my swim test. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. Danny doesn't even know how to swim. This is unbelievable. So, you know, that summer was like one of the magic moments for me where it didn't have anything to do. And there was plenty that happened in the sharing circle or throughout the week, helping the kids grieve, helping the kids work through their loss. But, you know, that was just like a moment where I'll never forget it. And as a volunteer, it's like a reminder that, wow, like the work we're doing here has a really meaningful impact. Yes, a million percent. Do you want me to tell a story that talks about maximizing every moment? I got a good one. Absolutely. I thought you were going to tell the story that I'm about to tell because that also happened in Georgia. And I was like, now I'm going to have to come up with another story. Thankfully, it was the swimming story. So the story that I'm going to tell, it happened our first summer at camp. There was a kid and a really, really especially rough story. His stepdad shot himself in the room next to him. ADHD, he's as bad. Like nobody came to his 10-year-old birthday party. And it was just heartbreaking to kind of read about him before camp. And I remember he was a difficult camper. He was very, very disruptive. But I think as the first couple of days went down at camp, he started to calm down a little bit. And we were trying to, you, myself, Evan Bloomberg and Daniela were trying to point him in the right direction. I remember it was a super hot day in Georgia and he went to the dining hall and just kept filling up his hands with little cups of water and he brought them to all the campers. And then the next day we were at, I can see you smiling, we were at lunch and we do something called shout outs where we recognize a camper for being really special and kind. And I remember when it came time for the shout out, we recognized him. The entire camp 
was chanting his name. We had him on our shoulders. We were blasting every time we touch. We had a cooler of water that got poured on his head like he had just won the Super Bowl. And I think his smile, it used to be the background of my phone for a while. His smile was unbelievable. And to me, that symbolizes maximizing every moment. We took a situation that was not helpful toward camp. He was being very disruptive. And we, and we pointed him in the right direction. We reinforced it. And then we celebrated him. And to me, it was like probably a really special moment for him because he felt connected with and cared for. And the counselors do such a great job of maximizing every moment. We have something called Mr. Mannix at camp. And kids go out there and they do basically a talent show. And hearing their names chanted, being referred to as an instant legend. I mean, it's just so cool the way that we maximize every single moment. We can go on and on and on when it comes to maximizing every moment at camp. But I love that story and I'll always remember it. Yeah, that was a great... You really brought me back to that moment. And honestly, that I forgot about that. The second you started talking, you could see the smile because I was like, oh, I know exactly the story you're telling. But yeah, like I mentioned before, it's just incredible to think that that's happening so many times throughout the week. And you're not always there to see it but you know it's happening on micro and a macro level throughout the week all across the U.S. at each of our camps. I want to speak a little bit about the LIT program because I know that you had a meaningful part in helping create that program. So this was my first summer being a part of, of that program and was sort of thrown into it. I was a little bit stressful at the beginning of the week, but essentially the the LIT program, look at me, I went from not even knowing what the LIT program was about, but the LIT program, from my understanding, is stands for leadership and training. And having run the program very much on the fly, but this past week, I would say the program sort of is focused on three things. I'm curious also, you know, when you started it, what your personal take or the goal was of the program. But it's for the oldest kids of the camp. And what I tried to do this past week stands for leadership and training. And what I tried to do was focus the LIT program around not just being a leader at camp, but also being a good person outside of camp. And hopefully giving the kids tools to take with them into the year to enable them and to empower them to both be leaders, but really great people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're getting the grief part, obviously, throughout the camp from the programming from the camp itself. But it was a really interesting week to really have the honor and the privilege of being the LIT unit leader, for me personally, I've always been with lower camp kids. And actually, there were only three kids that I had from my first summer that are still back this summer. And I think most of that was driven probably from from COVID, unfortunately. So three of the kids who were in the LIT program, I had my very first wow. summer when they were eight, nine years mm-hmm. old. And now they're like, they went from kids to young men, you know, these young adults. And that was just one element that was just, absolutely incredible but and i'm still very much processing the week at camp but one of the things that just have stuck with me so clearly from the week is having seen those kids start at nine years old eight eight nine years old and seeing them now 16 17 years old seeing how they've grown how they've evolved and also their ability to share in the sharing circle from like an emotional intelligence standpoint but just their ability to so openly share on their loss, how their loss has taken shape in their life over the the years. And 
now seeing how they want to go out into the world and how they have their own attachment or their connection to camp and how they want to give back to the organization. Like I said, I'm still very much processing, but I guess I'm so I'm just so inspired from this past week, like seeing the the impact of the organization take full circle because normally at at camp, at least in my previous experience as just like a volunteer for the lower camp kids, you would see on a specifically like in your bunk, how you're helping those kids in that Mm -hmm. week. But it was fascinating to see how we've helped these kids really grow over the course of the last, you know, 10 years or so. So I want to hand it off to you because I know that you played a meaningful part in creating the LIT leadership program, but I'd love for you to talk about the program, but, and then we could dive into a little bit about this week as well. Yeah. I mean, the program is exactly what you said. And that's one of the reasons why we changed the name from CIT counselor and training program to LIT leader and training program, because it's not about camp, it's about life, or it's more so about life and helping them understand that being a leader is just revolves around their ability to affect people around them in a positive way, whether that's helping someone, being there for someone, creating really, really good energy for someone. I mean, when you think about the impact or when you start to talk about the impact over time, I mean, and how much just resonated with you. I remember when we started the program, I think in 2013, I think that my commitment to camp elevated for whatever reason. I don't know if it was caused by that or just correlated to the time in my life, but I just saw the impact. I remember one of our campers, Zach Winslow, I think he was one of our original campers. He talked about how he was crying on the bus on his way to camp. But then, speaking of maximizing every moment, when the bus pulled up, he saw all of the counselors cheering and so excited and chanting. It just made him feel at home. And he said the first year was the year that he realized that he wasn't alone. The second year was the year that he learned that he could talk about it for the first time. The third year was the year that he learned that he could help other people that are grieving, which can be very, very therapeutic. And I remember when he was a counselor for the first time, he spoke in the Manitou village to probably a hundred little campers. And with such pride and passion, he said to them, do not let your loss define you. Don't let it take you down a road of negativity. Let it fuel you and help you blossom into the beautiful flowers that all of you guys are. And to think back to little Zach crying on the bus on his way to camp, probably reluctant to even get on the bus, to where he was standing in front of hundreds of people, motivating them, inspiring them. I mean, that's why I come back. There's no better use of my time from an enjoyment, from a fun and fulfillment standpoint. And anyone that's out there, if you think you would be a good counselor and you care, you need to sign up. There will always be times in our lives when, oh, this might not be the right year. Make it happen. It will change your life and you should become a part of our family. Love that. There were so many highlights from this past week. And we always say at Experience Camps, best week ever. I have like five shirts <laughs> and say best week ever on it. My, my t-shirt wardrobe is literally Experience Camps clothing. And we always say best week ever. But for me, it's really this year was the best week ever, at least in my nine camps that I've been to. And one of the highlights for me this last week was one of the things we did with the LITs where we sat them all down, we got them pizza, and all the counselors of the LIT program 
had a chance to share the advice that they wish they had when they were 16 or 17 years old. Then we really opened it up as like a forum for kind of like ask us anything. We're here to help you guys. And so many of the kids were, it was late. It was after a long day. It was so hot out. And you could tell just from the kids' facial expressions, they were they were a lot. You could hear a pin drop at any moment in that night. We were together with them for like an hour and a half. You could hear a pin drop at any time. It was beautiful. They were locked in. They were so focused. And I think sometimes it's it's funny too, just this is such a tangent, but there's so much distraction. And that was one of the things that I was trying to get to before when we were talking about the beauty of camp. Like in that camp bubble, you don't have TV, you don't have your phone, you're not watching the news. You're like really there. And in that in that moment, in that event specifically, like the kids were there, you know, like there was no what's going on in five minutes from now or what happened 10 minutes ago. They were there. They were so present in that event that we were running. And so many kids afterwards came up and said, like, that was the most meaningful moment of their week or that was a night they'll never forget where we gave them, you know, just general life advice. But we're really there and we let them know, like, we not only care about you guys, but we want to see you guys succeed. We want to see you be successful individuals and just be great people. And I think I teared up, I would say, so many times throughout this last week at so many events. But that one really struck a chord with me. And I think one of the things for me personally, I think about it all the time. My dad died when I was 20, my mom at 25. And when my dad died, like he was my go-to for anything life-related where it's like, dad, I'm trying to figure out where to go to college. Dad, I'm trying to figure out what to do with my professional life. I have these exciting options or help me think through it. Let's talk about it. And I'd say when my dad died, still like, you know, there are times when I'm thinking about my professional life today and all I want so badly more than anything in the world is like, if I had one wish, it would be to be able to sit with my dad and talk through those, these big life decisions, these big life moments and have him be my sounding board. Because, you know, I lost my dad at 20. So I personally can't speak to what it's like losing your dad at 10 years old or 15 years old, where you lose a lot of that, a lot of those moments, like we had mentioned, like throwing a ball, how that could be such an, a valuable experience for someone who's 10 years old. But for me, having lost my dad at 20, I have a lot of those memories of playing catch with my dad and my dad sort of teaching me a lot up until 20. That's why I'm so grateful personally that like, obviously it's unfortunate my dad died when he died, he was too young. I was too young. But when I look at back at the, the experience, I can't help but feel gratitude that I had these incredible 20 years. But now as someone in my just turned 28, the thing that I miss the most is that ability to have those mm-hmm. conversations. And I don't know how to explain it. You know, I have so many people like yourself, brothers that I could lean on, mentors that I could talk with, and people who are from like, let's just call it like a financial or business standpoint, more successful than than my dad was, who have achieved these enormous life feats. But it's still not the same, like talking to your dad, like talking to your older brother, like sharing sharing a big life decision with your mom. It's not the same and nothing can replace that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why that event struck such a chord with me specifically, because I can relate to it so much where even today, like this morning, I went to an isolation tank, a float tank. And literally, I'm thinking through and for those that don't know, that's you go into a a room where it's filled with 1400 pounds of Epsom salt, and you float, 
you're deprived of your senses. You can't feel anything, hear anything, see anything. And personally, I use it to force myself into a meditation. And I went in there today thinking, literally this morning, thinking like, I'm trying to figure out these life decisions. What would my dad say? And that event that we did, I imagine that those kids have the same void where they're going to be graduating high school or finishing high school and they're trying to figure out, do I go to college? Where do I go to college? Do I go get a job? How do I want you know this next decade of my life, which I think your 20s are like just a fascinating time period where you have this chance to try a lot, to do a lot, where in some cases, or I know everyone comes from a different background and everyone has their own things that they have to navigate and deal with. But for the most part, I think your 20s is like a great time to explore, try a lot of things. At least that's been my own experience thus far. But I just felt like if I was 16 years old and my dad wasn't alive, I would want this moment so badly, I wouldn't want it to end. And I think that's why personally, a lot of the kids had that sort of reaction where they didn't want it to end. They could have kept going all night long because it's just something that personally, I I feel that void so much where... There's just nothing like having that older mentor in your life to help just be a sounding board even. So I don't know, you know, you saw the magic that night, but I know I'm getting passionate about it, but that was like... It makes so much sense why you could hear a pin drop now. I didn't think about it like that, Danny, and I don't mean to cut you off. I was going to say like what you're saying. So I had a bunk of eight 16-year-olds who I've been with for three or four years, and half of them have lost a parent. And in the sharing circle, one of our campers talked about how he looks in the mirror. And as he gets older and older, he looks more and more like his dad. So he's constantly reminded of his dad. And he said, am I whom he would want me to be? What would he say? He always had all the answers. And a lot of kids were shaking their heads and saying, I feel the same way when it comes to my dad. And I think there's such a power of normalization that happens at camp, like that night that you were just referring to, a lot of the kids talked about how they feel like they have a lot of pressure to be successful and so on and so forth. And I remember Dan Scully, one of our other LIT counselors, he stood up on the table and said, let's just get a show of hands. Who is anxious and just uncertain and feels a lot of pressure about their futures? And every single one of those 40 kids raised his hand. And I think it just took some of the air out of the room and it calmed everyone down knowing that they're not alone. And it was beautiful. It was a really, really beautiful night. Yeah, it was It was definitely a night that I'll personally never forget. And it's a night that I hope that we continue at camp. Should I have the, the honor and privilege and the, the opportunity to be a part of the LIT program next year? It's something that I want to build on. It truly is an honor and privilege, Annie. I mean, I'm just curious. Which aspects of the night do you feel like resonated or what pieces of advice do you feel like really resonated with the kids? I think probably the highlight for me of just how that was run. And like I had mentioned, the programming was for this program specifically. A lot of it was done on the fly for various reasons. I lost my co-LIT unit leader at the beginning of the week. To an injury. To an injury, (laughs) to an injury. (laughs) And I've never, you know, seen the program. The program has been run by someone for several years. So I felt like there were big shoes to fill. And just having not been to camp for a year and having also missed orientation to chaperone with the kids, there was a lot that I had to personally figure out on the fly. But I think 
probably the thing that I was most happy about with that event specifically was that every counselor there who came from a different walk of life, who's pursuing something differently, who's at a different stage in their life, who's had different life experiences, had the opportunity to share. And I know I share this with you personally, but like, I think that that's great because I think one of the things that maybe like, I'm very cognizant that just because I went to college doesn't mean that it's the right decision for other kids at camp. And with that, like, it's great. Like Dan Scully, he was not from here and he has an entirely different perspective, different experience on life, different journey. And I think the range of advice or suggestions that was being given and also like that was bouncing off when kids were asking questions. I think that that's the best thing. That was the highlight for me because you see that there's not like this one size fits all model. You're super impressionable when you're like 16, 17 years old. And I know when I was in college, even like I had met some people who were very successful, who they gave me advice. And I'm like, oh, they're very successful. This was the advice they gave. I have to follow what they said because that's how to be successful. But seeing the range of people there and everyone's doing something different, I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought that you were wise. We were wise to make sure that the advice was applicable. I mean, I remember the advice that I shared with the campers was to be a good friend because in life, you're going to have your ups and your downs. And it's important to be able to support others and to be supported by others. I remember it was just applicable to everyone. And what we didn't do is we didn't define or try to define or inadvertently define what success is for the kids. And I think that was really powerful. We talked about choices, how when you're 17 years old, it's one of the most dangerous years times in your life. And when you're 17, you're faced with a choice. That's step one. Then step two is you take the action. And then step three is you think about the consequence. And we said, look, we care about you guys. We love you guys. What we wish we knew was to flip two and three, get faced with a choice, then think about the consequence, and then take the action. Don't get in that car with somebody who's been drinking. Don't go with that group. And what we said, we said, and we empowered them. We said, guys, you have great instincts. Let your hearts and your minds and your instincts be your compass and trust yourselves and know that you are precious and your lives are precious. And it's important to, to think about the consequences and to protect yourselves in your future. And it was just. That was a great point that you shared with them. And I think that that's something that is so applicable to anyone who's at that point in their life and even you know later on in your life as well, but especially at that point. So we can start to wrap up the show and this episode, but before we do, is there anything else that we didn't touch on specifically around experience camps that you want to share? If not, we'll start to wrap it up with the last questions that I have. Yeah, here. I mean, I spoke to the group of people out there that haven't had a loss, but what I would say is to those that have, I remember talking to Ben Luntz about this when he was volunteering or thinking about volunteering, like as volunteer counselors, we're not in charge of facilitating the grief process. We have professional clinicians on staff. So there's no pressure to know what to say and you're going to get trained. And as Nate Furness told all the counselors, just being there is all that matters for the kids. Awesome. So, you know, Bits of Gold podcast is all about building a life you love, moving forward in the face of adversity and building a life that you love. And I feel like there's so much wisdom, advice, moments that we share with the kids at camp to help them do just that. But with that, regardless who listens to this, whether it's a camper, whether it's an adult, 
whoever, what would be your advice on how to build a life you love? Figure out what makes your heart beat. Figure out what matters to you and double down on that. For me, it's being with and being there for my family and friends. And you know, when it's somebody's birthday, I want to go big. My mom just turned 70 last year. I wrote her a book of 70 different memories. And that gave me so much joy and fulfillment. And I think for a lot of people, at the end of their lives, they're not going to remember their career or what they did by working from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. one night. And there's a lot of beauty there in terms of working hard and persevering and achieving, but it's, it's the love and relationships that we have in our lives. So my recommendation is just for people to you know, do what you do such a great job of, Danny, and that's panning back and figuring out what really matters to you. Wiley Cirilli, who's been an inspiration to many of us, tells a story about, I think the night before his dad passed away, his dad said, Wiley, I'm going to pass away and you're going to grieve. And it's going to be hard on you and the entire family. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision whether you want to let life happen to you or you want to imagine where you want to go and what you want for yourself and make life happen. And experience camps has reminded me of what's so obvious and that life is really fragile. And I feel so grateful for that. One of the greatest gifts of my life has been being a part of experience camps. And it's been a privilege and an honor and a joy to be able to represent the campers, our volunteers, our board, you, so many people to be able to talk about experience camps here this morning with you, Danny. So thank you for being you and for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about this incredible organization. Well said, and I'm already counting down the days, minutes, seconds until next summer when we get to run it back again and do it all over again. Where can listeners connect with you, find out more about experience camps, learn how to volunteer, learn how to get involved, or if someone has someone who they want to get their kids to camp, where can they learn about all that? Okay, so we'll take it one at a time. If you're out there and you know someone or a family that's had a death, go to experiencecamps.org and you can probably reach out to our founder, Sarah Darren, which is Sarah at experiencecamps.org. There's no H at the end of Sarah, S-A-R-A, and she'll point you uh, to the right people just to learn more. And maybe camp isn't right for the person right now. Maybe the loss was a month ago and maybe there needs to be some time, but we're committed to helping all grieving children out there so we can provide guidance and education about different grief support opportunities that there are in your local area. And it's just an amazing gift. So if you know someone out there or a family out there that's experiencing a death, keep experience camps in mind because it will change its lives. If someone wants to reach out to me, go aaron.weingard at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's just experience camps. But you know, we need volunteers, we need campers, and we need money to be able to do what we do. I'm the fundraising chair of the board, and that's an amazing honor. And we've got great plans. If you personally want to contribute, if you know a foundation that looks to help grieving kids, if your company may be interested, Whatever it may be, if you want to do a fundraiser and send emails to your network to raise money for the organization, Experience Camps was built by a village, and we want as many people to be a part of our village that want to be a part of our village. So come on in, join the family, and any help is appreciated, needed, and will go toward giving kids experiences that will truly change their lives. That's awesome. Well, 
Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Danny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, share with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world. It truly helps grow the show. This episode means so much to me. I'm so appreciative of Aaron coming on and sharing his story of getting involved in experience camps and building experience camps and in helping make the organization what it is today. If you know someone out there who would be an awesome volunteer, please have them get in touch. Reach out. I'd love to recruit them as an awesome volunteer for experience camps. If you know any kids that would benefit from going to experience camps, have them connect, have them reach out. We would love to have them. Thank you so much as always for the support. Another episode coming out next week. Have an awesome week. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.